Thank you, Glenn. Yeah. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Let's, uh, I know it's been a lot of things going on, but I'd like us to uh, recite the Apostles' Creed, if we could, please. Okay, if you'd like to stand one more time, you may. Let's say it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. And Lord, we believe that in our heart, deep into our heart. I'd like to just mention another announcement. Men's advances coming up at the end of April, and also Charles Carn coming the week prior. Charles Carn will be here on the 20th on a Friday night. There are flyers over here, and please pick one up. Spread it around. He's an amazing man. We've had him here about three times. And we don't know how many times more we'll have him because he's up in his 80s. But you'd never know it because he has more energy than a lot of you young guys in your 30s and 40s. So, doesn't he? Amazing guy. Privileged to have him. Well, it's been a busy week. It's been a busy month for us. I started a a bit of a a message several weeks ago, three weeks ago. Then we had Isabel Allen that was here. Last week, Michelle spoke. So I'm back this morning, so let's get into the Word of God this morning. As we prepare to get into, uh, as we prepare for the, the uh, resurrection season, the Easter season, uh, we, uh, we need to look at the Savior, don't we? In fact, every week we need to look at the Savior. Our church, we've worked hard to make our church a Christ-centered church. A lot of churches aren't Christ-centered. It's not that they don't love Christ. It's that Christ is there, but he doesn't seem to be the center of the church, of the, of the focus when people come together. That's why every Sunday we have songs. We have the name of Jesus in at least one song that we sing. We have Christ, Jesus or Christ in one song. We always do, because we want people to know as you're singing, you're singing who you're singing to. Today, in this day and age, there are a lot of people singing to Lord, and that Lord happens to be Buddha to them. That Lord happens to be Confucius to them. People come into the churches, and they today, in this day, many people, believe it or not, they have a whole mixture of beliefs. I've met many people that have said, or a number of people have said, well, I am a Christian, but I'm a little bit of a Christian, I'm a little bit of a Buddhist, I'm a little bit of a Muslim, I'm a little bit of a Shintoist, and whatever it might be. And they're all over the place, aren't they? But we are Christ-centered. So when someone comes to this church, we want you to know <clears throat> that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's a hard for Americans to understand. Jesus Christ is Lord because we, we uh, in our Constitution, we don't make mention of lords. We don't acknowledge people of titles in that respect. Our founding fathers made that a point. 
But in America, we as Americans need to learn that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every person needs to learn that Jesus Christ is Lord. If he's not Lord in your life, you're not one of his. So let's look in Colossians and see what the Bible has to say about Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1.13. Is this a little hot? Okay, it's, it's hot with me. Can you bring it down just a little bit, please? For he, verse 13, chapter 1 of Colossians, for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So who is Jesus Christ? It says here that he is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God the Father is like, if you want to know, then read about Jesus. Because he is the invisible, (coughs) the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the Son. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, (coughs) excuse me, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. Why are we Christ-centered? It explains it right there, doesn't it? All things. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's very, very important. Very important, isn't it? To know that Jesus Christ, all things hold together through him. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. The first one to ever be raised from the dead. Resurrected from the dead rather than raised. Jesus raised several people from the dead, but Christ was resurrected to die no more. The difference is Lazarus and those that were raised from the dead in Christ's ministry and apostles and still to this day will die a natural death once again. Christ will never die a natural death. In fact, death is a foreign thing to Christ. Death is his last enemy to be defeated. Death is our enemy too. Do you realize that? The Apostle Paul wrote about that in 1 Corinthians. The last enemy to be defeated is death. Death is a horrible thing, isn't it? But thank God that we have the grace of God when we're in Christ because for a Christian, death is just a transferring from this life to our next life. He is the head, the beginning of the, the, he is also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, Christ, whether things on earth or things in heaven. What is the Apostle Paul writing here? That Christ has made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. Can anyone here say that before they came to Christ, that you were not engaged in the evil deeds? That you were not in darkness? 
that you are not alienated from God in mind? Anyone say that? No, we were. Yet he who has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, his death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. When you come into Christ, when you surrender to Jesus Christ, ask for forgiveness. When you ask him to forgive you of the sins, deliver you from the power of sin that was held you in your life, guess what? He looks upon us as being holy and now blameless. Isn't that amazing? Why are we Christ-centered? Why do we look forward to the cross of Easter time, Resurrection Day? Because Jesus accomplished this and we celebrate it. We don't celebrate the fact of the death and morbid sort of thing. We celebrate the fact that he rose again from the dead. We celebrate the fact that he went to the cross for you and I. We celebrate the fact that he died in my place and in your place. That's what we celebrate. That's what we can rejoice over. That's Sunday after Sunday why we come together and sing praises to him. And yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. There used to be an old song, I remember, many years ago. It went, publicans and harlequins, publicans and harlots will all be there. And it was a a song about the marriage supper of the the Lamb. God and man have table have sat down. Any of you remember that old song? And it goes about publicans and harlots will sit down at the table. Sinners will sit down at the table of God. Why? And how can this be? We are unholy. Sin separates us from God. Sin divides us. Sin keeps us down. Sin keeps us in darkness. Sin keeps us oppressed. Sin brings pain. Sin breaks up families. Sin breaks up relationships. Sin brings death. The Bible clearly says the wages of sin are death. I know this is an old-fashioned message, isn't it? It's hard to hear a message where anyone talks about sin anymore. Why would you want to hear a message about sin? We need to be reminded from the pit we came out of. Or if you're in that pit, you need to know that there's an escape to get out of that quicksand. I'd like to read that again. Verse 22, 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, your thoughts, my thoughts, engaged in evil deeds. I didn't even know I was doing evil deeds part of the time. I didn't even know it. Because my mind was darkened. I was just behaving like everybody else. Yet Christ has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Wow. If, you know the Bible, there's a big if here. If, can you say that? If, let's say it again together. If, little tiny word, two little letters. If, 
Do you know the Bible is full of conditions? It's full of ifs. Do you know that? God's promises have ifs. They're conditional. My promise is to you this, if you respond to me. My promise to you is such, if. Let's look again here. 23, if indeed you continue in the faith. If you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, good news that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. And he goes on to talk about, I I rejoice in my sufferings. If, do you know that God has has a plan for your life? He has a plan for everyone's life, if we respond to him, if we come to him. If we will put off our stubbornness, if we will put off our selfishness, if we will put off and say, I surrender all. I surrender all to you. Today, in this age we are living in, this church age, this modern times, I want you to know there's a great falling away. A great falling away from the truths of the scripture. There's a great falling away from biblical and scriptural preaching and teaching. There's a great falling away that's been happening. Today, people are being taken in by all sorts of winds of doctrines. Have you heard of the courts of heaven? Have you heard of that one yet? Where you have to plead your case in the courts of heaven. There's one that's coming down the pike. It's coming down. And there's all sorts of things that are coming. The word of God is being watered down It's being made not by many of these teachings. Many churches are falling away from the truth of God. Our society is falling away from the truth of of Christ, aren't they not? But you and I are to be ambassadors of Christ. We are to be people that will proclaim God, proclaim Christ. We are to be people that will make a difference in this land. We are not to be people that are passive. As we go into the resurrection season, the Easter season, we 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 celebrate this wonderful time. But it's also to refresh us, to know that we have a purpose. You have a purpose on this earth. You have, and God has a plan for your life to glorify Christ. Much of what's happening in our church circles today is there's so much emphasis upon me and my relationship and personal and not enough emphasis on going out. Not enough emphasis on other people. Not enough emphasis on serving one another. This is a very important aspect of our Christian walk. Someone was saying uh, just at the testimony of, uh, I think it was Patty talking about a grandfather who had a tract of soul winning. Have you heard of that term soul winning before? Have anybody heard that term before? What happened to that term? Because a lot of people don't hear about that anymore. We, because of the cross, are to be soul winners. When you come out of darkness and your mind has been and your heart has been healed up, then we have a responsibility to tell other peoples about this glorious resurrected Christ, don't we? Don't we have that responsibility to be soul winners? 
It's not about us. It's about him. It's not about us. It's about him. Oh, he reciprocates with his great love. And the scripture says that we love him because he first loved us and he lavishly pours out his love upon us. But out of that love should come a sense of duty, a sense of, 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 uh, of uh, uh, desire to walk with God and to please God and to serve him. There's not a lot about servanthood today in this day. I'm kind of going and covering a lot of topics this morning, I know. But there's not much on servanthood. So I'm here this morning to encourage us to, for what God has called you to do. We had uh, Isabel Allen here a couple weeks ago, and she gave uh, pro, um, words of knowledge and prophetic words out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 to many people. And many of those words having to do with what God has for you to do, right? Things that he's called you to do with. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. As you continue to submit yourself to God, he will continue to call you and pull you and woo you and put you on course. But I don't know which way to go. I don't know. And if I do something, if I start and do something, God might not be pleased with me. Listen, God can't steer a parked car. If you got it in P all the time, there's nothing God can do with you. you. Just put it in first, pop the clutch, start driving. Rev her up a little bit. Peel out a little bit. Get moving. Rip the road up a little bit. And God has called us, doesn't he? He has called us to keep in motion, to movement, to further his kingdom. See, a lot of the church today, it's about my kingdom. It's not about his kingdom. Oh, we acknowledge his kingdom. But God is really calling us to further his kingdom. The king is coming. He's coming. And he's coming back for a kingdom. He's coming back for a bride without spot nor wrinkle. That's us. Not just us, but that's his body, international, that he's called. Troops, get on, the, get, on the, get on the ramparts. It's time, folks, to make your life count. In the old days, I've told this story before, I like to read a lot of American history, and, and a lot of the old, the old uh, common thing that would be said oftentimes when, when uh, the frontiersmen or backwoodsmen or whoever they be, or soldiers, cavalry or something out west, They'd be pinned down by, uh, by the Indians, certain tribe of Indians or something, and they'd be greatly outnumbered. Then they'd look at each other and say, we're going to sell our life dearly. We might get rubbed out, but we're going to take as many of them as we can. And there's accounts where certain guides with uh, different uh, army outfits, you know, out west, different scouts, there'd be whole piles of shells, empty shells by their body, you know, 40, 50, 60 rounds, empty shells. And they didn't just go cower, and they didn't just go say, oh, poor me. The men were courageous. They put on their courage, and they fought to the end. We're in a spiritual battle. We need to be courageous. We need to speak out. You need to let your Christian views be known. That's a novel idea, isn't it? The world, you know, when I read, when I read the news today, or local news, and I read some of the things that are going on, and... Some of the people, what they're saying and their, 
their point of view and their dark thinking, I'm thinking, where's the Christian voice? Jesus died for us. Not just that we could have a loving time with him. That's part of it. But he also has made us into be, made us to be ambassadors of Christ. Soldiers in Christ's army. Maybe some Marine Corps. Navy SEALs, that kind of thing, right? He's called people into a greater place of servanthood. Serving the Lord brings glory to his name. Serving the Lord strengthens us. Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, he said, If indeed, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and fulfilling that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. If this church I was made a minister, according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, that I might fully carry out the preaching of God, of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested, made known to his saints. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is he saying there? He's saying Christ in us is the hope of glory for the Gentiles. Christ in us is the hope of, for glory of the unbelievers. When unbelievers see our life and hear the message that we have and see what we suffer for Christ, if anyone suffers for Christ anymore in this nation, it's happening though more and more, when people see the fact that you love Jesus Christ, it gives them hope. It gives them hope. Because this world is getting darker, I hate to say it. When I look at the events that are happening in the world, I hate to be one of these alarmists and say, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. But signs are, I was just saying to Michelle, I said, you know, Sometimes I think the coming of Jesus is maybe a whole lot sooner, going to be a whole lot sooner than I actually think it's going to be because of the signs. How much more of an opportunity for us to proclaim his word? How much more of an opportunity for us to learn a biblical worldview, as Mr. Bronson was just speaking about, and offering these next few Monday nights? Very few Christians have a biblical worldview. I'm going to talk about just some practical things. What does that mean to have a biblical worldview? That means the events of the day, the news that you watch, the things that are happening, the things that are being taught in our schools. The list goes on and on. If you have a biblical worldview, you can say, I know right where that came from, and it's bad. I know what's going on. I know what those politicians are speaking about. I know right, I know who they're referring to. And they're not, I'm not going to believe them. I'm not taking in their ideology. I'm not taking in the ideology or the philosophies of this world because I know the truth of the Word of God. Do you have a biblical worldview? 
It's important that you develop one in this day and age because it is a weapon that you need to carry with you to refute those other people who are tearing down our faith. Right? Christ is the glorified one. And we, again, are called into his service. Today, we have a whole culture of people, and I think Paul's writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy, really makes it very clear what we're up against. 2 Timothy 4, chapter 4, verse 1, I'll start in verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is judge who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And will turn away their ears from the truth when it will turn aside to myths. Now there's the warning for us. What he's saying is we need to, and he says this earlier in the chapter, he says we need to be diligent to present ourselves Approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. That is, handling accurately the word of truth and having a biblical worldview where you can look at the things of the world or look at error that comes down through the different church movements and so forth. And I'm in no way saying that our church is complete and has all the truth or nothing. There are a lot of churches that are standing strong in the truth of God's word, but there are a number of them that are buckling. We just had dinner with some uh, pastor and his wife up in Munising a couple of nights, three, four nights ago, and they began to bring up all the strange doctrines and teachings that are going on that they're exposed to in the UP. And they're saying, they're like, what is going on? People we thought, Christian leaders we thought were good, solid people, and now they're buying into some really wild, off, off stuff. I said, it's happening all over from what I'm understanding. Isabel was telling us of a number of, another number of things that were going on. So we have, a, we have a, a real responsibility as Christians to get into the Word of God and know truth. Again, I want to encourage us, all of you that haven't been through the Truth Project, or to go through it again, because that is one amazing opportunity to learn more about a biblical worldview. If we don't, we're just going to be drawn off into all sorts of all sorts of error. Well, Jesus is coming. His promise is clear to us all through the scripture, and he is asking that we and warning us to be ready for his coming. Be ready. You say, well, my grandmother used to say that. Be ready. Jesus is coming, she would say, right? He didn't come in grandmother's day or grandpa's day. 
And other people have said that. I've been hearing that. I see the little guy on the sidewalk with the sign, Jesus is coming. But I have news for you. No matter what, what goes on, what, what's going on out there, the reality, the truth is, Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And Jesus is going to judge us. There will be a judgment seat. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 5.10 And I want to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, these are the people that you gave me, gave me us uh, oversight over as pastors. And I want him to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And as each of us line up past him, I want to be able to hear him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. That means doing something. You can't be given the praise for something being well done unless we do something. So that's for you. I want you to pray and say, Lord, what more can I do? I might feel very insignificant. I might feel like the least. You know, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any talents. You might be thinking, I'm I'm kind of a quiet person. What can I do? You can do a lot. Just put it in first gear, give it some gas, and pop the clutch. Did you ever do that before? I did it too many times in my youthful days. But I had to buy my own tires, so it kind of hindered it a little bit for me. But pop the clutch. Jesus is coming back. Make your life count. Sell your life dearly. And recommit your life, wherever you're at. If you've been wandering back and forth, or wavering, or you're getting, commit your life. If you commit your life to Jesus Christ, your, his life is committed to you. Isn't that wonderful? But if you've never committed your life to him, you're playing a gambling game. You're playing again. You're playing. You're playing Russian roulette Mm -hmm. with six loaded chambers. No, Jesus is coming back. Wherever where you're at in life, make your life count. I'd like to close with this scripture out of Ephesians. Yes, Lord. Say, yes, yes, Lord, yes, and amen. Galatians and Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 4. Ephesians 3, 14, 14, there we go. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, comprehend means you've got to think, with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, the Holy Spirit working within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. I'd like to pray over you. If there's anyone here that you need, you know, that you know that you're not fully committed to Christ. This is an opportunity. It's your choice, but I'm giving you an opportunity. If you need to rededicate your life to Christ, this is your opportunity. If there's some areas in your life you need to ask for God's forgiveness, this is an opportunity. So let's close our eyes. And I'd like to ask if anyone here would feel that you would like to dedicate or rededicate your life. Just raise your hand high enough so I can see it. Anyone here to rededicate your life? Okay, thank you. Let's pray together, could we? Father, please forgive me for sitting on the bleachers when I should have been on the field. Forgive me for goofing off during practice when I should have been studying your word and spending time with you. Please forgive me, Lord. I'm weak and I'm overwhelmed sometimes with life. But I ask you for your divine strength. That you would give it to me abundantly. Exceeding abundance. I ask you and thank you for empowering me with your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name I pray. In Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. And I choose to serve you all my days. In Christ's name. Amen. 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 God bless you. If you need any prayer, like some prayer afterwards, please come up. And we'll, in front we have uh, food and fellowship downstairs. So any doors will lead downstairs. And pick up anything you need off to the side here. Any information on events. God bless you all. Have a good, great week.